Welcome to the Heart of Dating podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey guys, what's up? It's your girl, Kate Warman, and you are listening to the Heart of Dating podcast. You're in for a treat today, because my girl, the myth, the legend, the one and only Lisa Bevere is on the show today. I can't believe it's taken us this long to get Lisa on the show. I love all of her sons. Pretty much three out of four of them have been on the podcast before, but Lisa's never been on the podcast. So today is the day. We're finally breaking the mold. We have Lisa Bevere on the show and it's an incredible episode. It's so exciting because also 2022, we've shifted the model of the podcast to include more solo episodes, answering your questions, getting to the nitty gritty of dating stuff, bringing JJ on the podcast, uh, which has added a whole new fun dynamic. However, you know, I love me some interview podcasts. So for those of you that miss the interviews we used to do every single week with different guests, you got it today. Okay. And it's one one of the best people ever to listen to, Lisa. Okay. I'm so excited as well because she has a brand new book that came out a few weeks ago called Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You. I love that. Fiercely love God's wild thoughts about you. And today we're actually going into really understanding God's love for us. Understanding, if you are single listening, understanding that God has not forgotten about you. You see, sometimes we understand that with the left part of our brain, the rational, logical thinking, okay, God loves me. But in the right part of our brain, that feeling part of our brain, the emotional part of the brain, we don't really feel it, okay? So we may know it, but we don't really feel it. We don't encapsulate it with our entire being. And therefore, it leads us to feel often really disappointed, forgotten, stuck. It can feel really, really alone and really, really lonely. And so Lisa speaks into that today with some fire encouragement, and you guys are going to love it. Hey, I wanted to let you know that we have some incredible resources for you if you are a single Christian or a dating Christian. Specifically, you can go to our website and go to heartofdating.com forward slash resources. And there are a bunch of free downloads on there, but I want to highlight one specifically right now discovering your non-negotiables and core values. We just came out with this free resource about a month ago, and it has helped so many of you really understand what are my core values? What, how do I want to lead my life? What do my actions say about me? Am I in line and acting in my core values right now? How do I pick a partner that also lines up with my core values? And from there, what are my top non-negotiables? You see, you may be a person that has a really long laundry list of all the things you want in a relationship and it's really limiting you. Or you may be a person that kind of just dates anybody, anybody, everybody, maybe dates the wrong people. Well, we want to get you in a better place to know what you want, what you're desiring, feel more open in the process while clear on what you're really looking for. And so go to heartofdating.com forward slash resources. You can download our freebie that's called the Discover Your Non-Negotiables and Core Values Workbook. It's so powerful, really easy, and I really think it's going to help you. And it's free. Okay. 
All right, guys, without further ado, let's get into this fantastic episode with my girl, the amazing Lisa Bevere. Lisa Bevere, welcome to Heart of Dating today. Wow, what is so exciting. Who knew? Who knew I would get to be part of the heart of dating? Well, I love you. And I'm so excited this day has finally come. You were a part of our Heart of Dating conference last year, which was such a delight. You delivered such a beautiful message in the Singled Out conference. And then you we've never had you on the podcast yet. So it was well due time. I'm so excited to finally have you. <laughs> I'm thrilled to be on it. <laughs> well, Lisa, you know, we talk a lot about singleness, dating around here. We do have to call out that your last son just got engaged, which we're so excited about. (laughs) Go Alec and Maddie. (laughs) He said my popularity was going to plummet. That's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) He may have gotten a few unfollows. I know my people. Oh my gosh. I'm going to be honest. Like anytime we would do any event or we'd have any like single guy speaker, they're like, just get Alec. Can't you get Alec to do it? Can you get Alec? Oh, he's so sweet. Yeah, but they love hearing him speak. But then they also were like, he's so, he's so great. He's so eligible. So, but I'm sure so many people are also happy for him and Maddie. (laughs) It's a bittersweetness for the single women out there. Um, But so excited to have you today to talk. And you just, your book just launched the amazing book, Fiercely Loved, God's Wild Thoughts About You in stores now. Before we really get into the conversation today, I'd love to hear a little bit about your inspiration for this beautiful book. Well, absolutely. Well, first of all, I think people think that God has to love him. Like, oh, God, you know, God has to love me because Jesus died for me. He probably doesn't really even like me, but, you know, there was this deal and Jesus died. And so he loves me because he loves Jesus. But what we seem to have forgotten was we were God's idea. Like he sent his son to express who he was. He was not this grumpy, mean God in the Old Testament. And Jesus came and changed his mind. He actually has always loved you and me, each and every one of us with an everlasting love. And, you know, there's a lot of us who understand the concept of being in love. But God isn't someone who is in love with us. God is love for us, which is a very big difference because I love my husband. Some days I just want to punch him, but I love my husbands, but I am not love for my husband. So I am not the source of love. And so I think a lot of times people think that God is looking for reasons to disqualify, to disengage, to fiercely judge them. And I felt like it was really important that we counteract that lie with the declaration that you are fiercely loved and that God's ideas and thoughts about us, like they can't, to be honest with you, there's not even a place in our brain to understand how astounding those are. That's so true. And I think it can be often a concept that's hard for us to grasp. You know, we read in the Bible, like God is, God is good. God loves you, the love of God. And we can read it and we can even almost say it, but there happens to always, uh, oftentimes I see a disconnect between us saying it and like kind of knowing it in our heads versus truly knowing it in our hearts and taking that head knowledge and, and actually like placing that head knowledge into our heart to say like, oh no, like I am 
I am me, Kate Warman, you, Lisa Bevere. Like I am specifically, uniquely, fiercely loved by God. It's not just this concept that's written in the Bible that is for other people. It's specifically for me. And, you know, as a dating coach and helping so many singles, there's a lot of people out there that I think that are struggling in their singleness. They're struggling of the weight of feeling still single. And they have maybe put themselves out there and gotten rejected, or maybe they have no dating experience. Maybe they've barely ever gone on dates and they're thinking, well, gosh, I've been single all this time. I've barely gone out. I never get asked out. And now I'm in my thirties. Like has God forgotten about me? What's going on here? Like I, I read all these things in the Bible and I believe them to be true. And now suddenly I'm starting to question, is this really true for me? So I would love to just start by if you have any encouragement for those singles specifically who right now in their life, especially coming out of COVID and probably a very dry and bleak season of singleness, <laughs> feel maybe forgotten, um, forgotten specifically by God. What would you say to them? Well, wow, that is a lot. And one of the things I guess I would say is the way people respond to you has nothing to do with the way God feels about you. And, and there's an, an inconsistency and I get it because we, we look at, wait, what about this? And why, why is she getting this? I don't even think she's been good. I've lived my life for godliness. And this, this hope gets all the blessed. I mean, like I, I know that my own life, people looked back at me and were like, wait, she did everything wrong. And yet it seems like she's getting everything right that God's blessing her, loving her, surrounding her with favor. And, and the truth is that it has nothing to do with who we've been or what we've done. It's about what was done for us. And so when we have a revelation that God loves us, even if people don't understand us, and can I say this? And it's, it's, and I know people sometimes get mad at me on saying certain things, but in a, in, in a time period, when you are single, there is things that you can do that you can't do when you're married. Yeah. Like literally I can't even go to bed when I want to go to bed. I have to go to bed when my husband wants to go to bed. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, you know, and again, I'm not complaining about that, but if you understand that there is a beauty in this time period of your life that you're going to miss if you're regretting that you're not into the next time period, or if you're wondering if you're ever going to get into that next time period, you're going to postpone living until you think, oh, that's what living is. And I think that none, none of us should ever give another person's response or how people relate to us that much power over us. They can't define us. They can't limit us. We can't say, well, I'm I, God, you're not keeping your promises when, where, or how quickly I thought you would do it or with who I thought you were going to do it. Therefore, I don't, I'm going to doubt everything. Well, no, you have to have this foundational assurance. You know, there's this beautiful, godly young woman. And I remember asking Darlene Check. She's a worship leader. I know you know Darlene Check is, but this other person is a worship leader as well. And I, I asked her, I said, hey, is so-and-so married? And she said, Lisa, I don't think she'll ever get married. And I said, well, why, why do you say that? 
And she said, I've just learned there's some women who are so precious to the Lord. He just doesn't share them. And I'm like, wait, wait a minute. You know, and she said, no, there's just, she said, I don't even know how to explain the beauty of that relationship that she has with him. And, and uh, you know, and again, there's people like that. Uh, I was not that God was like, baby girl, you are a piece of work. You're going to need a day in day out full time in your face catalyst to, to remake you. You're going to need somebody who throws uh, the word of God and truth in front of your face on a regular basis. Uh, you're going to need refining and you're going to need full on refining. You know, I know that you're, you're on the verge of getting married. I still remember uh, the first day that I thought to myself, I want him to go home and we're married. And I'm like, he's not going anywhere. I thought I liked it when I dressed up and he picked me up and we went out and then I went home. But now I have somebody in my world all the time. And, and so again, I, I don't want to act like, well, this is a complaining about marriage. I am saying there's things that you can do when you are single that you cannot do when you're married. And I don't want you to imagine that your lack of dating connections has anything to do with God's intimate desirability of you. And who are people anyway? You know, and, and one of the things I, I feel like we, we don't talk about much, uh, maybe in this cancel culture, we do a little bit more, but the fear of man is a snare. And a snare means uh, that you're trapped and you can, there's different types of snares, but I think in my mind of a snare that encases one of your feet where you have some motion, but you really don't have the ability to move forward. And I find a lot of people just circle around the same thing over and over again. Well, if I hadn't done that, or maybe if I had slept with him, or maybe if I had done this, maybe that would be different. Or maybe you don't know that, but the fear of man is a snare, but the fear of the Lord is a high tower. And I think it has to have an intentional shifting in our vantage of, I'm not going to live my life dependent on people. I'm not going to live my life dependent on what people say about me. I'm going to embrace the way God loves me and created me uniquely. And if somebody doesn't understand my worth, that is their problem, not my problem. Mm, that's so good. And it's also... I think so pivotal to, to becoming, to starting a healthy marriage, you know, starting a healthy marriage. Also, if that is in the cards for you, if that's part of God's journey for you, we need to focus on the first thing that you said is taking advantage of this time where we have more freedom and time than we ever will have most likely in our lives. And yes, all the singles roll their eyes. Okay, fine. But also it's true. I started this podcast, this ministry. I got to do so much in my season of singleness that I believe right before I started Heart of Dating, I was dating a guy who I thought I was gonna marry. And if I had married him, I know that I would never have started this specific ministry and never have started serving people in this specific way. And God does have a hunger for us to find what our passion, our calling is. What are we doing with our freedom and time? Other than just sitting here with, which I see a lot of singles 
becoming stuck in their singleness as a disease, like labeling themselves with this. This is a, this season is like a plague and a disease. And so I always am talking thoroughly about the fact that, you know, you need to find a vision and a purpose for your life. You often put out desperate energy, even when you are in dating, when you're not satisfied with your life as it is, which is a hard statement. But when you are just so desperate to find that thing and you're not satisfied with your life as it is, you will put out that desperate kind of energy. And I don't care what you say, as confident as you may seem, the other person can pick up on it. And these subtle cues, they will pick up on the fact that you just so badly want for this thing to work out and you're not satisfied with your life. And there's something so beautiful as well about being an interesting person that has an interesting life that deeply loves God. I love that um, what you the story you told about this wonderful worship pastor. What a beautiful thing. She may never get married because like her relationship with the Lord, he, he may be keeping her to himself. So we need to be able to get healthy and get to that perspective as singles. I'm going to read something from your book. You say this, we've all heard the phrase, Jesus loves you so many times that it has become white noise. But when was the last time you felt his love wash over you and lift you when you thought you least deserved it? His love is not just words. It is life. A love that is larger, wilder, and more dangerous than anything we've ever known or experienced. A love far vaster than the sum of all expressions of human love. God doesn't have love for you. He is love for you. And you started today by saying that as well. But I so believe, Lisa, as you were saying this, that it is so critical for singles to not be filling their their lives with dating so that they can fill that void of love in their lives. And so many are doing that. So what, why, how do singles that feel so deeply unloved start to tap into that fierce love that God has for them? You know, one of the things as you were talking, I couldn't help thinking about you and your approach. And then this is possibly the first time I've ever thought of this as a singleness example. But when I think about Joseph, Hmm. where he has a promise of God on his life and yet everything goes wrong, betrayal by family. Then he goes, he gets sold into slavery. Then he becomes a faithful steward with that, which is another person's, which is what we're supposed to do only to be lied about. He is, somebody tries to seduce him. He flees and then she screams rape. He ends up in prison and yet he still remains faithful in prison. He begins to, and this is, I think one of those things I feel like I've I've heard that you did. He begins to interpret other people's dreams when his own life is a nightmare, when his own dream has not come true. He actually stirs up that gift of God on his life and he interprets the butcher and the baker and the, I think it's the cupbearer's dream. So here's what happens. Being faithful when you've seen none of God's faithfulness in your life, that doesn't mean he hasn't been faithful, but you haven't recognized it or seen it. I feel like that often positions you for those suddenlies where all of a sudden Joseph is relieved from prison. All of a sudden, Joseph is entrusted with somebody else's kingdom. Because here's the thing. If we're not faithful stewards of other people's hearts, can we be trusted with kingdom things? 
Because, you know, I, I really, I just love this idea of, of Joseph because the way he navigated life. And even when the enemy means things for bad, God will actually flip it around and use it for good. Another thing I have found, and, you know, let's just step back from singleness. Let's just talk about betrayal from friends. Let's talk about a season where um, isolation happened, when COVID were so heightened, misunderstanding, offenses, confusion. You couldn't say anything right for saying something wrong. Everybody is highly, you know, sensitized on everything. And, and you felt alone. You felt alone. Well, God showed me a long time ago, you can always look at your seasons as either lonely or alone. And he said, lonely is when you suffer loss, when you, when you regret and, and you're sad and you're like, I don't have this. And that person got married and that person isn't my friend anymore. And that person unfollowed me, but alone is when God actually has your full attention and he begins to do something, something. And I, I say something because Kate, I don't know if you have the same sense that I'm sensing. I've been a Christian now for almost well 40 years, 40 years, over 40 years, it, which means I have a little bit of length of days, which means I can see patterns in the body of Christ as they come up. And I have such a sense that God is sifting Mm -hmm. shaking and that he is shifting different pieces in place. And sometimes we think God's doing nothing because the curtains closed, but often when the curtains closed, it's because it's intermission. And during intermission, there's some scene changes going on during intermission. Everything is about to change. There's a little bit of a pause, but when the audience comes back in, Everything is going to look different because it's a new chapter and a new story. And I just feel like that's a word for some people that are listening right now. They're like, it just, no way. If, if everything went on pause and the curtain is still closed, I want you to believe that God has things he's putting into place. You know, uh, the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, it's, it's one of the very first scriptures God ever gave me when I was a brand new Christian. And what I loved about that scripture was I was coming to God, giving him a multiple choice quiz. I was like, God, do I stay in my job or do I quit my job? Do I stay or do I quit? Okay. I need to, which one do I feel it on? Stay, quit, stay, quit. And, and it, here I am granted an audience with the creator of the universe. And I'm giving him a quiz. And, and all he gave me back was a passage of scripture that I didn't even know existed. I was a brand new Christian. Brand new Christians don't have a tendency to go for the weeping prophet, Jeremiah. I was staying in the New Testament, did a little bit of Exodus visit, little Isaiah visit, Proverbs, Psalms, no Jeremiah, no Jeremiah. And so I go to Jeremiah 29, 11, and God says, I know the plans I have for you. Well, I'm like, okay, what is it? And he answered, <laughs> I know the plans I have for you, plans to do good and not to harm you. Okay, when is the plan? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. He doesn't give us the details. And one of the things I have such a sense with my own personal life, if God said, okay, here's the plan. Five years from now, I'd be like, five years? What do you mean five years? <laughs> or if he said, with this person, I don't like that person. Or if he said, this is what you're going to be doing. Are you kidding? I don't even like women. I'm ministering to women. But these are things that he said to me. And the enemy has a scheme, but God has a plan. And we need to rest 
that God's plan pre-COVID is this plan in COVID? Is this plan out of COVID? And I heard one minister who I love and respect say, well, that, that was only for those people in exile. Well, I feel like the body of Christ is in exile right now. And I feel like God is saying, if you're going to come back, you need to come back different than you went in. And so I don't know when God puts me in, I, I always tell my husband, I feel like he throws me in a cave. And, and then he says, okay, let's, let's, let's do some stuff. You know, Katie, I have lived my life, most of it with men and, uh, in, in a lot of ways, not understanding females, not knowing how they, how they work, how they're thinking, how they get along. And, and so sometimes when I would get a chance to be around girlfriends, I actually became more like them and less like myself. And when I become more like them and less like myself, I'm actually robbing them. And I remember feeling like God said, we're coming, we're coming over here for a little bit and you're, you're going to spend some time with me because guess what? If you're just like them, you have nothing to bring. Mm -hmm. Let's go back and remember who you are, Lisa. Let's go back and remember how I created you. Let's go back and remember what I entrusted you with. Let's go back and remember that it was never about uh, preaching, but it was about an entrustment. And, and so if our lives are entrustments, we can be faithful with that entrustment, whether people invite us to be on the stage or they don't. It just might look different, whether they invite us to be in friendships or they don't. It just looks different. And, and I think that that is a, that is a true story across, uh, across the board for all of us. What you're saying too brings up for me the fact that we've been in such a hard, painful season, like collectively and overall as a nation, as a, as a world, you know, as a Christian people. And then also, you know, singles who feel very much like on top of all the things I'm alone, you know, like, or I, to your point, I feel really lonely. I feel so lonely. I feel disconnected. And I would say, you know, when, when I speak on this, I'm always cautious to say, Hey, your pain, your grief, your frustration, there is space and room for that. And don't allow that the pain and the, and all the things going on both out here and even in your own life to then also uh, like force you into this place of stuckness. Cause that's what I see a lot of things happen. That's what I see happening for a lot of singles right now is that they're they're processing all the pain so much, both externally and also in their own lives saying, well, gosh, now everyone's getting married and I'm all alone. So all of this craziness is happening and I'm also just here stuck, you know, and, and they're, they're stuck. They're feeling so stuck with where they are. They're seeing, they're almost seeing it as like this COVID whirlwind of like, okay, we had this two plus years pass by and I'm still single. Literally nothing has changed in my life. And it's getting to their mindsets. It's getting to their, to them in such a way that they're like, well, what am I to do? now? Where's my life even going? Like, and instead of being able to process and lament as we, like, as we should, we should process, we should lament, we should cry out to God. They're doing it and it's allowing them into a place of feeling stuck and into scarcity versus also being able to cling on to hope that God still has a plan. To your point, Lisa, like I've been saying this recently, like 
There's nothing we can do that's going to ruin God's ultimate plans. Like God is all powerful. And so we sit here and we're like, oh my gosh, like I, I'm still single. There's must be something that like God, God is like, I must be ruining his plans. No, he's, his plans are still going, my friend. And so I don't know. What do you have to say to these individuals that are getting, feeling so stuck in where they are right now? So, you know, when I was writing Without Rival, I, I visited Sarah. Uh, I love Sarah. She's just a crazy, complex woman, <laughs> just in so many ways. <laughs> um, and I, I watched her life of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Her wife of, but she, she, she has this idea that maybe her husband should sleep with her handmaiden, and then she'll raise up that child. I'm like... <laughs> Who thinks that's a good idea? I I, 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 I could have told her that's not going to work, but she's in isolation. She's in the desert. She's out there. Her and her husband are on this journey and they're looking for a kingdom and a city whose builder and maker is God. And, and, and they're like, they're, they're out there. And then Lot gets sent away and there's just all these things going on. And then finally, finally, she realizes, oh, no, no, Ishmael's never going to be mine. And my husband is satisfied with this provisional. And I am void of promise. And it's crazy. The angels come and they, you know, Abraham sees these angels. He's like, hey, 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 just sit. I'll make a little snack for you. But then he, he under promises, over delivers. He makes a feast for them. They're sitting there and they say, where is Sarah, your wife? And it's interesting to me that they would make that distinction because normally if someone comes to my front door and they know us, they're going to say to John, where's Lisa? If they don't know us, they're going to say, where's your wife? But the fact they would say both says that something had happened. Abram and Sarah were no longer husband and wife. And then they say, that she's in the tent listening in, but she's not present. She's not part of a conversation that she was meant to be part of. And then when they say a year from now, Sarah is going to hold a child in her arms, it says that she laughs. She laughs. And I think a lot of times when people are so intimately acquainted with disappointment, when the promise begins to come, we laugh. We lie and say, oh, no, I didn't laugh. No, I didn't laugh. And, and we, we opt out of things we are meant to be part of because we're afraid that being disappointed yet again is going to be too painful. And yet I have learned a life without hope has no anchor. You know, the Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And so sometimes we attach our hope to the wrong thing. We say, okay, well, this, this hope is in this person. We find out that person disappoints us or that hope is in a, uh, well, I'll be married by then. And then we find it. But I do believe that a year from now, everything can be exactly the same. Or a year from now, you can have more friends. You can have learned a a different language. You could uh, be part of a church group that's vibrant and growing instead of just posting all the time about the one that you're disappointed in. You could be part of a home group. You could spend more time with real people than on a keyboard. Like a year from now, everything can be the same or everything can be different, but it's always my choice. 
it's always my choice. Am I going to continue to grow or am I going to continue to groan and complain and murmur? You know, I always find it shocking that God is extremely hard on complaining because complaining says, I don't really think you're good. I don't really think you care of God. And, and if I was God, I would do it different. And I know each and every one of us have at least thought that, if not said it out loud. I, be, I believe I've actually said it out loud. But, but, <laughs> but he says, when we complain, we actually undermine the grace of God on our life to go through something. And um, I just want, I want people to understand that there are things that we get in this life and then there's things that we get in the in the next. And I know that sounds, oh, it's easy for you to say. Well, I, I didn't say it. The Bible says this life mm. is as a vapor. The Bible also says my life here is like a seed that grows into the ground. And who I really am is going to come up on the other side. So it's like I'm a tomato seed. But one day I'm going to be a tomato plant which will actually have, have tomatoes and seeds in it. So God, when he's when Paul is comparing to what, what we will be to what we are right now, we see this is nothing compared to what will be, but everything I do with this affects how I enjoy that. You know, John, and I always say the cross determines where we spend eternity, but our choices now determine how. And so we want to, we want to live not for this life. We want to live for the life, the real life, the eternal life. So many people, I had a beautiful friend ask me recently. Um, she said, you know, I have a friend who is incredibly uncomfortable in her body and she feels like she's a mistake, you know, that she should have been a man. And what would Jesus say to her? And I said, he would say, first of all, you're perfect. I love you. You're not a mistake. And yet you will always be uncomfortable here because this place is not your home. Mm. This body is not your final home. It's just a tent. There is something on the other side that's going to astound you. So don't think that you were meant to feel whole here because eternity was planted in your heart. And so you will always long for there. And, and I just feel like that's true of all of us, single, married, divorced, widowed. I don't even like the word divorce. Whenever I have somebody tell me, oh, I'm divorced, I always say, please don't say that. Mm. Say I'm single. Not everybody, when you say divorced, it sounds like somebody saying failed, rejected, unwanted. I hate that word. I understand a divorce is something that happened, but it is not something that you are. It sounds so, like a label, like an unnecessary yeah. label. Yeah. Just tear it off. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. This is so powerful. Lisa, this has been such a great conversation with you. Just a dose of so much more hope. Like, yes, feel the feels, be in the place that you are, but like, or feel, experience that, but don't allow it to void you of hope because hope isn't the absence of pain. We were never promised a painless life, but hope is the expectation of future good. No, because we know God is good. He is good. And he is good. Not only because the Bible says he's good, but he is good to us intimately, uniquely, and he fiercely loves us. Lisa, would you mind um, praying for all of our singles today listening? Oh, I would be so honored. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice. 
Lord, you love them. You love them fiercely. And I ask that you would actually, uh, as they would pause, that you would create moments where your love, that they would actually experience your love, not just know your love in their head, but they would experience your presence and your love. Father, I ask that if there's been any blockage from disappointment or wounding or rejection, I ask that you would begin to open up those blockages between you and them. Father, I thank you that your love consumes and comforts. And so I thank you that it would consume anything that separates them from you. And Father, I just bless their lives. Father, I thank you that you start to give them creative ideas, creative inspirations, creative connections. I thank you that as they lift their eyes, that they're going to see things on the horizon that they missed when their eyes were downcast. And so, Father, I thank you that you just give them incredible relationships that will build their lives and facet their strengths. In Jesus' name, mm. amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Lisa, oh my goodness, I love you, girl. Hey, will you also tell everyone, just because your book is so awesome because it's these little snippets that you, almost you could read every single day. And when I got it, I was doing that. Like every day I was like, this is just like the dose of love I need for the day, hello. So yes, you got it right there. Will you show them? Yes. Yes. So I'm all about short. You guys, I I may have ADD, I don't know. So if it's long, <laughs> I, get, I just won't do it. So I love something that's just, it's, it's a scripture, a practical application, our teaching, a declaration. This one just says, I am fiercely loved. And then it just opens up with, for love is strong as death. And that is from Song of Solomon. And then it's just all these different declarations. I believe my father's thoughts towards me are wildly wonderful. I have I to that. have takeaways. So it's out there. It's a devotional 90 days. They asked me to do a hundred. I said, why, why, why? That's like 90 days is three months. Let's not, like, let's, <laughs> let's not do a hundred. I, I think I just hit that margin. I was like, I can't do 10 more. I don't, I don't know. I just, I just couldn't. I think 90 days sounds better. I can commit to something for 90 days. You know, like I'm all about get to know somebody for 90 days before you make a true decision on if you want to be in a relationship. So I'm all about the 90 day thing, Lisa. So 90 days. Triple, triple digit, it changes everything. Once again, that 100 number, I'm like, what? What just happened? Hey, I have to tell you a funny story. Just since Please you talked about the rejection thing. So my husband, John, dated me illegally. I didn't know that. He uh, asked me on a date when I, when I was a heathen and we were dating for like one week. And he said something to the effect of, you know, I could never marry you. <laughs> I just looked at him and I said, I don't remember asking you to marry me. And he said, when I said that, he was like, I've met my match. <laughs> so <laughs> I think he thought he was the big big Christian man on campus. And that I was going to say something like, I'll be whoever you want me to be so that you'll marry me. But no. So I think a lot of times um, guys are attracted to confidence. Yes. I was just about to say that. Is the God confidence. Uh, I was an idiot at that time in my life, but at least I knew that uh, God had a plan for my life. And I had to figure out whether, whether this guy was actually going to be part of it or not, because I felt like it was a pretty big plan. 
Yeah. And that is the the mindset shift. When I, I just taught a challenge this week with my fiance, it was, it's about attracting somebody who is like a quality person for you. And we talked about des- putting out desperate energy. And I, sp- I spoke to it a little bit earlier, but sometimes we're doing that. We are like, we don't have that confident energy. We're not showing up to the scene being like, I know I'm worthy. I have something to bring to the table. I'm an awesome person. I'm not that person. I'm not that person. I am exactly me. And I got a lot to bring to the table. And so if this person isn't interested, that's okay. Because I know that probably someone else is going to be at some point and I'm okay with me just as I am. That kind of energy, bringing that to a dating situation is that kind of confidence is transformative. You know, John's like, oh, like all these women on campus want him because he's like the good Christian guy, right? (laughs) Well, okay. So scientifically proving what you just said. Yeah. Number one thing a man can do to shorten his life is to stay single. Did you know that? No. Single men die six years earlier than, than married men. Wow. Heart disease only takes off like four years. Single men die six years earlier. You want to hear another crazy, amazing fact? Wow, that's interesting. Okay, these are crazy, amazing. Oh, getting married adds to your earning potential. If you're a high school graduate, it gives you a college degree. If you're a college graduate, getting married gives you a master. If you have a master, getting married gives you the earning potential of a PhD. It's crazy. So wow. we were doing this, this whole study. I got a hold of it years ago where it was like, is it really true? It's not good for men to be alone. And the whole dynamic is interesting is it's more about women adding value to men than men getting married and adding value to women, single women and married women die at the same age, but married men live longer and uh, women add purpose to their labor. So I, I used to say, cause you know how Beyonce used to sing, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. I would <laughs> say, you all need to change your mindset and say, I don't know who's worthy of having another decade added to their lives. I'm going to have to figure out which one of you gets to live longer. You need to stop thinking, oh, I need a guy. No, no. The guys need the girls. They're the one that needs to be afraid. (laughs) I love that. You said that earlier too, that because my fiance is younger than me and he married me or we're getting married, we're going to probably cap out the same age, right? (laughs) You might might get a couple of years to to enjoy a little things, you know, uh, you, you know, my son, Alex. So when tree treehouse masters were on, I was talking to Alec and I said, yeah, I think I want, I think I'm going to build a treehouse in your backyard and I'll have goats and chickens. And John overheard it. He was like, I don't want to live in a treehouse. And I said, Oh, you, you'll be gone by then. You'll be gone because I'll outlive you. So, so, anyways, so I'll right. deal with it. <laughs> All right. It's so good to be with you. So you too, Lisa. Oh my gosh. Thank you, girl. Thank you for imparting this joy and hope and love today to all of our people. I love you so much. Okay, <laughs> the Heart of Dating podcast is created by Kate Warman. It is a part of the Converge podcast network. Our incredible editor is the one and only Scott Caro. Our theme music was developed by the amazing Christian Ledoux. Special shout out to Anjali Maga and Gabriella Asperu who make this show possible each week and help to keep me sane. 
If this is your first time listening to the podcast, or if you've never written us a review or ranked us on iTunes, we'd encourage you to do so because it helps us so much to get this podcast into more people's ears. We launch our podcast each and every week on Wednesday. So we'll see you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.